What's up, guys? Welcome back to Jazz and Sonic. I'm Sonia. I'm Jasmine. Yeah, that's Jasmine. And welcome to episode 37. Um, we took a little break, I guess. We're back one month later. We're we're older now. We're more mature. Um, Sonia lives in a whole different place. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. Wait, actually, last episode you were already we recorded in SF. SF. Yeah, so really, we we have no excuse. Um, okay it's okay okay. it's fine (laughs) so today um we decided that we were going to talk about the asian hate crimes going on um just because obviously it's like very current um there's a huge movement towards like combating the hate crimes right now and through our like research for this topic we realized there's actually like a whole history behind it um so we kind of wanted to dig into that much like we digged into um, African-American history um, and culture and things like that. So Sonia, can you start with um, the history behind the Asian hate crimes? Uh, Yes, yes, I can. Um, So yeah, the history is pretty long um, and it's kind of sad. I'm not really surprised. Racism just doesn't come out of nowhere and it's clear in this history. Um, But it, the initial kind of like hint of racism comes from the 1850s in the People versus Hall Act. Um, and so the context behind it is that a large number of Chinese immigrants began coming to the US um, because of the California gold rush. Um, and so a lot of them were seeking mining and railroad construction jobs. And so those types of jobs are high risk and low wage jobs. Um, but the Chinese immigrants were kind of willing to take those jobs because they wanted to support their family. Um, and oftentimes they would receive a lower wage than white workers, but they would still take them. Um, and so almost immediately people started to say Asians are coming to steal white jobs. Still kind of what we hear to this day. Um, The same rhetoric with like Mexicans are stealing our jobs and things like that. Exactly. So clearly we're still living in the 1850s. Um, but anyways, on top of that, the state of California also imposed a foreign miners tax of $3 a month, just to specifically target Chinese miners. So let's keep that $3 in mind, right? Because that adds up over the years. Um, But anyways, four years later in 1854, the California Supreme Court reinforced kind of the racism that they had against the Asian community in what was called People versus Hall. Um, And so the official name for it is, I think, Act Concerning Civil Cases. Um, But essentially what that was, it was a law ruling that people of Asian descent could not testify against a white person in court. And so- yeah <laughs> like it hurts just you saying that i'm like oh my fuck it's God. like um a man can get away with murder and in this case that's exactly what it was um and so george hall shot and killed a chinese immigrant by the name of ling sing um and the testimony of witnesses was rejected because they were all asian so this man got to walk away free with murder um but you know so that's where people versus hall the name comes from but the act concerning civil cases wasn't just you know, made out of thin air, right? Um, the original kind of case stated that no black or mulatto person or Indian shall be allowed to give evidence in favor or against a white man. And so when George Hall was testifying, he was saying that this act should be extended to Chinese people as well. So basically the act is saying that no non-white person can give evidence against a, a white person. And can you imagine, like, how, how would they justify this, right? And 
it's kind of sad, but I mean, it's kind of similar to what we found in like Black history. But the opinion was based upon that Chinese were, quote, a race of people whom nature has marked as inferior and who are incapable of progress or intellectual development beyond a certain point, and as such had no right to swear away the right of a life of a citizen or participate with us in administering the affairs of our government. So basically they're saying that it's nature. Like, like what yeah. the hell? They're basically saying that nature- Like just, the white race is the superior race. Exactly. And Asians yeah. are not capable of like intellectual, which is like so ironic now. Yeah, it's- it's absolutely ridiculous. And this um, law was in place for 123 years. So that mm-hmm. was, um, they didn't learn their lesson until like 1973. Um, yeah. But yeah, even. And also, sorry, I don't mean mm-hmm. to cut you off. Yeah, but also like that law was in place, you said for 150 years? 23. 123 years. Um, but the thing with laws like that is that it influences culture and mindset so even when those laws are abolished and they're no longer officially in place that mentality has already been ingrained especially in white people you know so it doesn't Mm -hmm. it's not it's not enough to abolish a law you have to like reform a culture but anyways go ahead yeah absolutely and so keep in mind the law wasn't overrun until 1973 and a lot of things happened before that which are kind of pretty bad um, so 1871 is when the LA massacre happened. And so remember that foreign miners tax that was $3 a month. So by now Chinese miners had paid $5 million to the state of California. And they were still probably not receiving any of the benefits and receiving a lot amount of discrimination and racism. Um, but back to the LA massacre, just for context, LA at the time had around 6,000 people. Um, and the city was had a higher homicide rate than NYC and Chicago, but there were only three, po- six, sorry, six policemen employed to maintain law and order or whatever they considered law and order. Um, so it was a small community and there was like a pretty good amount of crime. Um, but essentially what happened is that in 1871, tensions were high because I think a young Chinese woman was kidnapped. Um, and so a shootout broke out between several Chinese men And what happened is that a policeman and a civilian were caught in the crossfire of the shootout. The policeman got injured, but the civilian ended up up dying. And I think he was known around the community um, in LA. And so word got around that, you know, the Chinese community was killing white people. Just, just, you know, they were just doing this on a day-to-day basis when that wasn't true. Um, But almost immediately, more than 500 white and Hispanic riders surrounded and attacked, you know, the Chinese community. Um, so 17 um, Chinese men and boys were kind of lynched, including a prominent doctor at the time by the name of Dr. Jean Tong. Um, and so 10% of the population in LA, of the Chinese population in LA was murdered. And they weren't just like kind of murdered, killed and like thrown out on the street. They were like hung from, you know, downtown areas. So it was almost as like a display of like don't fuck with us type of thing. Um, So that was kind of pretty fucked up and no one was arrested. I mean, sorry, eight people were arrested or convicted of manslaughter, but they never went to jail due to legal technicalities or whatever that means. I couldn't really find like how, what legal technicalities 
there were, and <sighs> they were never like retrialed. So no one more was likely. Punished. Yeah, more likely than not, they were just bailed out, not literally, but like someone was like, oh, these white people don't deserve this. Yeah, exactly. So no one was ever, no one was ever punished for basically killing 17 people um, in the way that they did. And um, 14 years later, something similar happened in Wyoming. Um, So again, there was still aggression towards Chinese miners. So I think like 150 people surrounded the Chinese mine workers, killed 28 people, burned down 79 homes. And at that time, it cost like 150K in property damage. And today that costs $4.2 million. Um, So the mine workers tried to kind of flee to like a nearby town to get to safety, but they were tricked um, thinking that a train would take them to SF to like give them that safety. But instead it took them back to Wyoming where they were being like attacked Um, and nothing ever happened to the people that were attacking them. And federal troops actually stayed 13 years in Wyoming to make sure that the Chinese mine workers would stay there. Um, so that was like another piece in like the history. Um, but now we like kind of dig into more of like the law behind it as well. So I already know that there are massacres going on where we already know about the People versus Hall Act. But the main one is the Chinese Exclusion Act, which happened in 1882. And so the act is kind of what it means. It bans, um, Chinese immigration for 20 years. And so the president um, at the time, Justin A. Arthur, vetoed it, but then signed another offer with a version that was a 10 year ban. So, okay, 1882, 1892, technically the law should be lifted at this point. Um, But no, actually, um, the act ended, but the Geary Act went into effect, which which was essentially an extension of the Chinese Exclusion Act for another 10 years. So you're back to that 20 year point that they originally wanted to do. Um, And on top of that, Chinese residents in the US had to carry special documentation from the IRS and people who didn't have their documentation were sentenced to hard labor deportation. And bail was only an option if the accused were vouched for by a credible white witness. Ew, uh, the more you say, the more I wanna throw up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so like, intentional these laws Mm -hmm. like it's not they're not taking like what the hell man they're not even like trying to hide the fact well they should i guess whatever but it's just terrible but so fast forward to 1902 10 years later chinese immigration act or the exclusion act has been in taste for 20 years should be done right no 1902 chinese immigration act was made permanently illegal which means that they can't enter the country and they have to continue to hold that special documentation Um, And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until 1943 when the Magnuson Act was passed. Um, And that essentially allowed Chinese immigration um, to kind of resume um, and become, and they can become eligible for US citizenship. But they only kind of passed this act because World War II was going on and they wanted China to remain their ally. Um, (laughs) And so they had that as kind of an incentive. And the Magnuson Act also said that Chinese people can't have, can't own any property or any businesses um, until, you know, uh, 60 years later where the act was repealed. Um, so yeah, that was that um, in terms then of laws. When, when you look at to this day, like even I'm sure you know people, actually you do know people, your own roommate mm-hmm. um, or 
I know people like international kids and stuff like that that don't have U.S. citizenship that are trying to either get citizenship or get some type of visa to work here. It's it's a pain. Like it's a a whole process. Um, it's extremely hard. And um, my roommate also has to pay taxes on top of that, um, where he doesn't receive any benefits from. So right. Yeah, it's right. pretty hard for him and hard for any like international kid to work here or even sometimes to study here. Yeah. Or- and then there are so like if you work in STEM, which is uh, science, technology, engineering, math, right? That's what it stands for. I think so. Then your stay can be longer. But if you work in something like history or the humanities, then you can't stay as. Um, so it's just kind of like. I think as a non-U.S. citizen, you have to be very, very strategic uh, when picking like what job you're going to have if you do want to live in the U.S. And the system definitely works against you. You know, mm-hmm. like you you basically have to fight to stay here. Um, yeah. So. And you have to pay a lot of money, too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's still, yeah, it's nothing must have really changed. Obviously, there were like steps in the right direction, but it's still kind of rooted in our society um but yeah so the chinese exclusion act happens in 1882 in 1900 there was the sf plague which was actually the bubonic plague um that struck san francisco and so it came from you know a ship from australia but the first victim just happened to be a chinese immigrant so as you can imagine the whole community overnight like shut down chinatown and you know the police surrounded that area and the only people who were allowed to leave were white residents um and so the Chinese residents, their homes were kind of like destroyed and they were searching for the bubonic plague, right? Which at the time, no one kind of knew what it was. Now we know it was from like fleas and it's not anything like you can like kind of touch or see. Um, so more property damage goes on there, more racism happens. And it's kind of similar to what we saw here with, you know, COVID. Um, Trump would usually call it the China virus, the Wuhan virus, the Kung flu. Um, so yeah, that was our president. Um, and then 1940s, World War II happens um, and the Japanese kind of bomb Pearl Harbor in the US. Um, and so at the time the US government forced all Japanese immigrants and Japanese Americans into internment camps for you know the rest of the duration of the war. And they thought they were gonna catch spies at that time. And so the conditions of these camps were, you know, really hot or either really cold they weren't really given any like necessities they were just like okay just stay here and that's it um and so no spies were ever found when they were freed and they returned home a lot of their homes have been vandalized um same with their businesses any businesses they had were kind of like vandalized as well or a bunch of their stuff was confiscated um and to kind of like reimburse them for all the trouble the U.S. has caused, the president apologized and gave each person $20,000 and called it a day. Um, And the most recent, well, not most recent, but I guess like the most recent in terms of like not these past like crimes was in 1982, the murder of Vincent Chin. Um, He was a 27-year-old Chinese-American. He was about to get married, celebrating his bachelor's party um, in Detroit. Two white men picked a fight with him, blaming the Japanese for taking their auto industry jobs. Keep in mind, Vincent was Chinese, but regardless, they were blaming him for taking um, 
their jobs because apparently it's only for white people. Um, but outside the bar, they beat him with a baseball bat and they beat him so bad that seven days later, like he died. Um, and apparently at the hospital, they told like his childhood friend, he's not going to make it like he's brain dead um, because they beat him so hard with this bat. Um, his attackers were charged with second degree murder, which would have been 15 years in jail, but they bargained the charges down to manslaughter and pleaded guilty in 1983, so a year later. Um, and they were ordered to pay $3,000 and serve three years probation, no jail time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's like, you know, those are just a couple cases that have occurred in the past um, against Asian people, Asian Americans. Um, but now, so I guess what spurred us talking about this is obviously there's been like an, uh, an increase in cases recently and a torrent of hate and violence against Asian Americans around the U.S. began last spring in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, a lot of community leaders say that the bigotry was spurred by the rhetoric of former President Trump, who referred to the coronavirus as the China virus, the Kung flu, etc. Um, over 4,000 cases have been reported in the U.S. over the past year. And that accounts for a 1,900% increase in hate crimes against Asians and Asian Americans. Um, these attacks are unprovoked. And that those like statistics I gave you, that's just the reported cases. Um, some members of the Asian community don't speak English and many cases aren't reported <clears throat> uh, because not everyone reports these things, right? But even with the ones that are reported, like 1,900% increase is insane. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of outrage amongst Asians and Asian Americans. Um, and it has to do with feeling invisible and feeling like Asian issues are not getting the attention and resources that they need. Um, and this has obviously created a lot of frustration amongst Asians and Asian Americans. So now I'm just going to talk about a couple of cases that um, I've come across. Obviously, as I said, there are a, a shit ton, uh, to put it to put it bluntly. Um, so I'm not going to talk about every single one, but I'm just going to give a few examples. So in January, an 84-year-old man from Thailand was violently slammed to the ground in San Francisco, resulting in his death at a hospital two days later. Um, the attack was actually captured on video and it's become like a rallying cry. Um, in New York on Wednesday, February 3rd, a Filipino man named Noel Quintana, I'm probably saying that wrong, so I apologize. Um, but he was slashed while standing on his way to work, uh, in the subway. And I actually have like, I actually found a video of him talking about what happened. So I'm going to play like a one minute clip um, of him explaining what happened. That was uh, Wednesday, February 3rd, and uh, about eight o'clock, I was at the, uh, the L train. I stood there quietly, a man came, and I stood beside me. He started kicking my, uh, my back. He came towards me. I thought he's going to punch me. But when I didn't feel anything, I saw his hand with a uh, 
with a boxer uh, counter. I shouted for help, but uh, nobody helped me. Noel is still unsure what motivated the attack. The police have not called it a hate crime. I don't know if it is because of Danny. I really don't know if it's because I'm Asian. I have no idea. But um, it's not just like me. If it's just me, it's okay. But I also live with other people. So, so were you able to hear that, Sonia? Yeah, it was really sad. Yeah. So, um, you know, he talks about, obviously, he's very emotional. It's a very traumatic experience. But what's more scary than that is this isn't an isolated incident, you know? Someone didn't just happen to attack him. They targeted him because he's Asian. Um, and a big issue that's come across during these crimes is that it's hard to prosecute someone for a hate crime because it's hard to prove intent of racism, you know? Um, but in New York, a wave of xenophobia and violence has been compounded by the economic fallout of the pandemic, which has dealt a severe blow to New York's Asian American communities and many community leaders are saying that racist assaults are being overlooked by the authorities. Um, you know, I think there's this common misconception that Asian Americans are, you know, the rich minority, they're the model minority, all that. Uh, but when you really look at a lot of businesses, whether that be a restaurant in the restaurant industry or people doing like, you know, hair removal or manicures, pedicures, that type of stuff, like a lot of the service jobs are uh, mostly Asian, right? And some of these aren't essential jobs. And so a lot of people have lost their jobs and lost their sense of stability. And when that happens on a grand scale across a whole community, and on top of that, these people are being you know, targeted and attacked, like this is a, a crisis to say the least, right? So most recently, um, eight people, including six women of Asian descent, were killed in the Atlanta massage parlor shootings. The suspect's motives are under investigation, but Asian communities across the U.S. are on alert because of a surge of attacks against Asian Americans over the past year. So something that I read about um, for this attack was there's like the sexualization of Asian women. And this is this has historically been the case. It's nothing new. Um, but basically, the guy who went and killed these women um, was basically saying he's an evangelical Christian. And he was saying that he basically was having all these sexual thoughts about these women. And he basically like eliminated the threat. Right. Because in his religion or in his specific I don't want to say sect, but, you know, uh, in in his church, um, they tell him that, like, even thoughts of even sexual thoughts or things like that are like a sin. Right. So there's like this weird pressure um, almost to like not have any of these thoughts like they're like the devil's work or some shit. Um, and, you know, like 
the repercussions of that according to him or that he went and went on this rampage i mean that that's no excuse but it does speak to like extreme mentalities of like you can't it's just kind of like i don't think we ever talked about this on the podcast but you know priests molesting young boys um you can't you can't suppress um sexual desires right and when you do bad shit happens but anyways back to the main point which is the attack on asian asians and asian americans so um i also wanted to talk about what has been done recently to combat um the recent crimes and new york city created an asian hate crime task force um the issue with this is that many are saying that more policing is not the answer um more policing more often than not is never the answer when it comes to minorities because it actually ends up hurting minorities more than helping them. Um, and I, I'm gonna go back to this just because I actually have a statistic here, but despite the stereotype that Asian Americans are flourishing economically, Asians are experiencing record unemployment and hunger. And in New York City, almost one in four Asians uh, were unemployed in 2020. So something that was done is that Dozens of Asian restaurants and volunteers came together every Wednesday to gather thousands of food packages, and they would they would deliver these food packages to elder Asians and Asian Americans. And the good thing about that is, like, obviously, it's food. Um, People are hungry, so the bags of food help with that. But oftentimes, it it means much more than that. Um, And it means, like, for a lot of elderly Asians, it's their only means of social interaction, uh, not just because of the virus, but also because of a fear for their safety. So, you know, the average person maybe can't interact with other people because of the coronavirus, but I'm not scared to go out on a walk, you know? And if I was Asian or Asian American, maybe I would be scared, especially if I'm older and I'm more vulnerable. And that's actually something I noticed when I was like doing my research is like, specifically now it seems like the target is these older asians and asian americans which is the most like cowardly thing you can do is to attack the most vulnerable people in society you know um but yeah so that was a program uh done in new york i think it's still going on um i don't know if if that exists elsewhere but i thought it was really good because uh the lady you know talking about this program was saying in Asian culture, the way you show love is through food. And that's true of like a lot of traditional cultures, you know? So um, it's heartwarming to see things like that. Also, President Biden signed a memorandum condemning anti-Asian hate. Um, obviously that's you know, not enough. And Asian lawmakers say there's more to be done. And they actually asked for a meeting with the Department of Justice um, and while doing that, they're also pushing for the No Hate Act, which improves hate crime reporting in the country. Um, because as I said before, it's rare that these attacks are prosecuted as hate crimes since it's difficult to prove racist intent. Um, something that I also noticed that stuck out Sorry, to me. This is just so sad. Everything you say is just so... It's, it's like disheartening, right? It's, it's disheartening for like us, and we don't. E- we're not even like you know, a, yeah, a, a part, part of, of the community. community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back to what we were saying when we were discussing like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and all that. Like, yeah. just reading about it and knowing about it is frustrating when you're not a part of the community. But 
imagine being Asian or being black mm-hmm. um, and not only are you frustrated by it but you're you're scared you know like you're you're paralyzed by this fear and you're overwhelmed by the reoccurring incidences that aren't even being taken care of properly you know yeah like nothing is being done and it was yeah. true in the past it's like from what you're saying now versus what I like read in the past like it just seems very history like, repeats itself yeah it's like yeah history repeats itself it's like what what's happening I yeah mean, because there are a lot a bunch of like band-aid solutions that don't yeah don't target the root of the issue right which is a lot of it is ignorance a lot of it is racism a lot of it is structural mm-hmm. um and those need to be targeted in a much more in-depth way for lack of a better way of putting it you know yeah but and it's been going on for so long but you know what's interesting sonia is mm-hmm. when i was reading about this i noticed that they were saying a lot of or not a lot but some of these crimes were happening by uh, black people right like black people were attacking elder Asians and so the the discussion that came up was like what's what's the tension between these two marginalized communities like why are minorities attacking minorities when at the end of the day they should be fighting together against racism right because um, racism doesn't just exist against black people or uh, brown people or whatever it happens against Asians as well So then I looked into kind of the history of Black and Asian uh, crime, you know, and conflicts actually peaked in 1992 when around 2,000 Korean-owned businesses were burned and looted in the aftermath of the police beating of Rodney King. Tensions between the groups, uh, Black and Asian, had been festering after a Korean shop owner fatally shot a 15-year-old Black girl in the same month. The girl who was shot and killed was called Latasha Harlins. And what happened was that Latasha went into a Korean owned store to buy orange juice. The owner saw her put the bottle of orange juice in her backpack and allegedly thought that Harlins was attempting to steal the drink. By the way, this was all recorded on video. So that's where the evidence comes from as well. Um, But Harlins actually had money in her hand but the shop owner claimed to have asked Harlins whether she planned on paying for the drink, to which, according to the shop owner, Harlins responded with, what orange juice? Um, According to the two two eyewitnesses that were on scene at the time, what actually happened was that the shop owner called Harlins a bitch and accused her of stealing, to which Harlins replied that she intended to actually pay for the orange juice. Based off of the video evidence, the police actually concluded that Harlins was in fact going to pay for the beverage with the money in her hands. The videotape shows the shop owner grabbing Natasha Harlins by her sweater and snatching her backpack. Harlins then struck the shop owner twice, knocking her to the ground in self-defense. And after that, Harlins backed away and the shop owner angrily threw a stool at her. Harlins then picked up the orange juice that dropped during the scuffle Um, but the shop owner went and snatched the bottle from her. When Harlins then turned to leave, the shop owner actually reached under the counter, retrieved a gun, and fired at Harlins from from behind at a distance of about three feet or one meter. Um, The gunshot struck Harlins in the back of the head, and as you can guess, she she died instantly. Um, The husband of the shop owner then ran in and called the police. 
and the shop owner actually testified on her own behalf and claimed that the shooting was done in self-defense and that she believed that her life was in danger. Her testimony was then contradicted by the statements of the two witnesses and by the store security camera video, which showed that when the shop owner shot at Harlan's, Harlan's was already walking out the store, so she shot her from behind. Um, in November of 1991, a jury found that the shopkeeper's decision to fire the gun was fully within her control and that she fired it voluntarily. So she was then charged with, she was charged guilty of voluntary manslaughter, an offense that carries a maximum prison sentence of 16 years. However, the trial judge at the time only sentenced the shop owner to five years of probation, 10 years of suspended prison, 400 hours of community service, and a $500 fine. Meaning that this lady who just shot this black girl like didn't even go to prison. So the judge then suggested that there were mitigating circumstances in, in Latasha Harlan's death. She acknowledged that the shop owner acted inappropriately, but then the judge also stated that the reaction was understandable, which in my opinion is questionable as fuck, um, but not surprising. Um, the court stated that the shop owner shot Harlan's under extreme provocation and duress, and basically deemed it unlikely that she would ever commit a serious crime again. So this is kind of them justifying why they, why she had such a reduced set, like why she didn't even end up going to jail and uh, why the punishment for the shop owner is not what it should be. On top of that, the judge deemed that the shop owner's capacity to act rationally in the situation was undermined by her experience with past robberies. So the judge is basically justifying that, okay, the shop owner acted irrationally because she's experienced robberies in the past and she was scared and so then she shot the girl, which once again, crazy, but whatever. I mean, not whatever, but it's like, damn, like how many times does this type of shit need to happen? Anyways, a state appeals court later unanimously upheld the judge's sentencing decision three to, by three to one in April of 92 about a week before the LA riots. Um, in July of 1992, the Harlins family was awarded $300,000 in settlement, which is insulting. Like that's a whole life that was taken and all they were given was $300,000. But um, the incident itself, so the killing of Latasha Harlins and the reduced sentencing by the court exacerbated the existing tensions between African-American residents and Asian-American merchants in South Central Los Angeles. Those tensions were later interpreted by some members of the public and activists as being one of the catalysts for the 1992 LA riots. The LA mayor's office estimated that 65% of all businesses vandalized during the riots were Korean owned. Um, and on August 17, 1991, while the shop owner was awaiting trial, a small fire occurred at her store. And during the 1992 riots, about a year later, um, the shop owner's store was looted and burned down, and it never reopened. So the reason why I tell this whole story is just because, um, as I mentioned earlier, some of these hate crimes occurring against Asians are being perpetrated by black people and that was like that stood out to me because you know in our podcast in the past we've talked about hate crimes against African Americans and the racism that exists in the US institutionalized racism 
And it just seemed kind of ironic to me that like these two groups would go against each other, given that they're experiencing a lot of the same hate and tension and discrimination from the U.S. as a as a country. Um, but that's also why, you know, we did research into the history behind it. And this is what we found. So obviously it's very, very unfortunate. It's very sad. It's very tragic. Um, and there's no obvious answer to it. But what I will say is that at the end of the day, whether you're black, brown, Asian, whatever minority in the U.S., like we all need to unite together um, to fight this type of hate and racism um, and discrimination because at the end of the day, like you have to unite and conquer to battle something of this um, caliber. So yeah, sorry for the depressing story, but <laughs> that's that's our history. Like that's just the reality of what's happened in the US. But on the bright side, um, a lot of leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement have been coming out in support of, you know, like combating these Asian hate crimes. And that's definitely a step in the right direction. So uh, I was definitely happy to hear that. That's the other thing with like history. There are probably so many cases that just went undocumented or were just right. kind of thrown away um, yeah because it's just messed up like that um, i mean that's the thing is like even now we have like video evidence and we have pictures and we have technology to yeah. to store this evidence and even then people are able to hide shit so imagine back in the day when there was like no paper trail yeah or it's just you're white like that's it yeah. even today you're white Right. Um, did you hear about what the police officer said um, about the man who killed those eight people? He was like, it was just yeah. like a bad day for him. Yeah. Like, like oh, how, my God, like, the insensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. Very troubling. Okay. So something else I read about was, um, you know, Asian community leaders are trying to get more people involved with, you know, combating these Asian hate crimes, bringing awareness to it, bringing... Uh, attention to it but they were saying that some people are going with like you know how there's like the whole black lives matter thing some people are saying like oh now it's time for like asian lives matter and the issue with that is like asian community leaders are like that is not our movement that is like a whole separate (laughs) like don't fucking mix shit you know like obviously there's racism in both cases but when you say asian lives matter like there's a history behind people combating the whole black lives matter thing so don't fuck with that you know like use your own slogan use your own movement so i thought that was super interesting too of like you know you need to be careful when talking about issues of race pertaining to certain communities to not mix and and not not to not compare but to understand like the differences in movements right the difference in history with these things um and there's no, there's almost like, there's no use in saying like, oh, like black people had it worse or oh, Asian people had it worse in the US. At the end of the day, it's all fucking hate, right? Mm-hmm. And on all of it is unacceptable, no matter the extent. Um, but I thought it was, it was like a good thing to know of like, although it's probably well-intentioned when people say Asian lives matter, like don't, don't fucking say that, <laughs> you know, it's problematic. <laughs> so yeah. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's just so sad. Every time it's just so sad. So like disheartening. It's like frustrating. It just seems 
nothing has changed after almost 200 years since the first like case in like 18 um yeah the first reported case reported case yeah yeah who knows what were you reported yeah you were saying that there was a gofundme for one of the there was a GoFundMe going on for one of the women who died, like their kids set it up because now they kind of have to um, support themselves. Um, right. And so we can leave a link to that in our description this time for people, for anyone who wants to donate. Um, yeah. 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 And then I think also like maybe when we post um, this episode of the podcast alongside that, we can also post like informative things about what's going on um just to spread awareness although i'm sure most people know by now yeah how do you feel that this movement is is being responded to differently compared to the black lives matter movement that happened after the george floyd killing i'd say I think with the George Floyd one, there were more protests going on. And I think that's because we were all kind of in the middle of a pandemic and no one was leaving. So I'd say for me, like that one just seemed like it had a little more awareness than this one because it was all around the US people were protesting. And this mm-hmm. one just seems kind of like in more liberal states of that, like SF, there was a protest the other day. I think I saw one in New York as well but it's not statewide or like nationwide. You know what I mean? Right. It's Um, not nearly as big as the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Even though it, you know, it's, it's just as bad um, Mm -hmm. or like pretty bad. I shouldn't really compare. Right. But, you know, I was going to say that I think actually, no, yeah, let's not get into comparing. Yeah. Cause that's that's what we just said not to do. Yeah. Yeah. But off off record, I think yeah. a part of it too is like, uh, you know, these Asian hate crimes have come up with the whole co- coronavirus pandemic, right? And like Trump yeah, saying shit true. and like people blaming Asians. But mm-hmm. with, you know, Black uh, hate crimes, like this just perpetually happens. Like there doesn't need to be a reason, you know, like it's just baseline Black people are dangerous in the US, you know, to white people. Mm-hmm. So that's probably also because i think asian people that's the thing is like asian people haven't really been seen as a threat historically except in the sense that like oh they they're taking our jobs Mm -hmm. but people aren't scared of asian people you know until like this coronavirus thing and they're like oh they spread the virus but like it's a it's a very different um it's a different type of threat i think yeah i think so too um and it's all rooted from hate. Yeah. Stupidity racism. and racism. It's scary. Yeah, no, it's, no, so it's scary. It's so scary because, like, as a young person, you know, maybe as a young Asian, like, you can go out, walk around, whatever, and, like, if someone attacks you, you have the means to maybe run or fight back or, like, you're, you're, you're a stronger person, right? But imagine being scared that, like, your parents can't go out and go grocery shopping or they can't like go for a walk or they can't mm-hmm. it's just like that perpetual fear is crippling you know that that's where indict <laughs> anxiety is induced um and yeah it's yeah it's not okay 
it's like what you said before it's cowardly it's very like, cowardly like pick on someone your own size the yeah hell? and your own age like what the fuck what the fuck yeah. are you gonna do with this grandpa and grandma like yeah what, what the what fuck the- did they do to you what like yeah. what the hell man yeah and also you know you were asking about like what can you do i think just like in any movement against minorities or against anyone right the the reality is if you are not part of that group you're probably going to be taken more seriously so for example let's say i see uh an old asian man being beaten up by a white guy right and i'm like get the fuck off of him i'll be taken more seriously than maybe an asian person or sorry eastern asian person because i'm not a part of that community so maybe they think like oh i have a more objective view so i think as um a member of society, whether you're Asian or black or brown or whatever, even white, especially if you're white, like you need to step up when you see these things like, you know, don't put yourself in danger and necessarily get involved, but like do what you can, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if calling the police really helps much, but call for help, start mm-hmm. shouting, start fucking throwing shit. I don't know, but like, don't, don't be um, complicit to all this. That's the worst is when people see it and they walk away because they don't know what to do or because they're scared, or because they're like, it's none of my business. No, like, this is your fucking, this is the society you lived in. This is your community. Yeah. So, like, you Mm -hmm. have to step up and do something about it, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. You gotta, everyone has to protect, gotta protect one another. No. Yeah. Yeah. it breaks my heart like watching yeah. these videos of old people i'm like oh my god yeah and i me. can't imagine what happened back in the day either like not good it's probably w- way worse um, yeah but anyway should we wrap up this episode mm-hmm. uh what it was episode 37 uh yeah okay thank you guys for listening to episode 37 of jazz and sonic um these it seems like these episodes just get more and more depressing but um it's important you know and i think we're gonna leave links in the description of like ways you can help um and if you guys have any feedback like if we missed out on some important topics or discussion points like please reach out and we'll happily do more episodes about it um but stay safe um everyone please like look out for look out for your community look out for your people and when i say your people i don't mean just people of the same race but you know everyone around you and we'll talk to you guys next time for another episode of death okay goodbye